Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 26. We are covering The Ring today. I'm your host, uh, Jared, and with me, as always, is my brother, Justin. Justin, how are you doing today? Man, I'm excited to be covering The Ring, and I'm doing quite well. I'm camping with Mia in an eerily similar location to the setting of our movie. (laughs) Um, And it was kind of creepy watching it today and putting it together that we were on a sort of along the coast in Washington uh, where some of this could potentially take place as part of the setting. So, yeah, I'm doing great. Excited to talk about The Ring. It's good to see you. Yeah, you too. And uh, Mia, Mia, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. As Justin mentioned, we are camping right outside Seattle. So, and I'm excited to talk about the ring. Nice. I think actually they filmed in Seattle or around that area. Can't be mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. It's definitely, there are definitely scenes within the city. There are scenes from Seattle. Uh, I would be pretty confident in. And then, you know, they go to the, um, to the island uh, to go like camping in some cabins and there are we're at a campground that does have cabins um, that are that is along the coast um, so those things are true about where we're recording from today <laughs> all right <laughs> well let me give that. a little <laughs> yeah. we won't be here when it's posted but it, it was something cool to put together <laughs> mm-hmm. So let's give just a brief background on The Ring. I think this is a movie that uh, any horror fan will be aware of. And most people, I think, are aware of The Ring. Um, It was put out in 2002. It was actually a remake. Uh, Many people probably also know this. It was a remake of a 1998 film called Ringu, which was itself an adaptation of a 1991 novel by an author, Koji Suzuki. It was a huge success, and its popularity really opened up the door for a flood of these kinds of movies, you know, Japanese remakes of Japanese movies, most of them ghost stories, like The Grudge, for example, was one. Uh, But Justin, this was your pick, so why'd you pick this movie? Okay, so I remember being... uh, 12 or 13 and thinking that I could not no longer be frightened by a movie and whatever that bravado comes in with puberty and uh, I remember distinctly being like frightened by this movie um, and what I uh, I remember thinking the tape within the movie was very terrifying and it was also about the time I moved into the basement of our parents' home after our grandmother had passed. And um, the, there, were, there were images from the movie that made me like terrified that I might visualize uh, uh, for myself in my current setting. <laughs> um, and so there's some visuals of like mirrors uh, from the movie that really stuck with me and um, brought me some actual true uh, fright, which it it isn't really that easy to frighten me uh, now, and I, I don't think it was that easy to frighten me then. So I was really excited to uh, to watch it and talk about it. 
Yeah, I think you were probably the perfect age for this movie. I was just a little bit too young. This was right before I started getting into horror movies. But I can remember um, you all talking about this movie, you know, you and your friends. Do you have memories of, you know, what, what was this a movie that you and your friends discussed? Did people talk about this at school? Did you watch it together? Anything like that? Yeah. Um... I remember it being a cultural phenomenon and discussing it <clears throat> with friends. Um, so yes, I remember it being something that lots of us watched and talked about similar to like a few years prior, we were all kind of watching and talking about, you know, uh, Power Rangers and Pokemon and Say by the Bell. <laughs> it was like very much a, a cultural phenomenon from my memory. Yeah. So this was a movie that I was aware of before I finally got around to watching it. But um, so what has your opinion changed on the movie at all since you saw it then? How long had it been since you had seen it? Um, I don't recall the last time I would have seen it. So my guess is it's been a decade at least. And it's not clear to me that I would have seen it since it you know, in the couple of years after it came out. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it holds up pretty well. Um, I think the, there's some moments that are a little cheesy. It's old enough now where the pacing feels a little slow compared to some horror movies um, that are more mainstream now, I would think. And um, But I, I think the sense of, like, kind of terror and then the visual effects of the digital and its interaction with the non-digital the way in which the imagery strikes you i think it's still pretty frightening i have to say um so i think it still comes together in a pretty frightening way yeah i would agree with you there i think in the middle it slows just a little bit but we'll get to that uh, mia what about you do you remember when you first saw the ring yeah, so I think we were, like, in high school, right? Because it was, like, 2002. And I remember... You know what? I can't remember if I saw it in movie theater or if I saw it later. I can't recall. <laughs> I've been thinking about it, and I can't remember when I saw yeah. it, but I remember seeing it because I remember her coming out of the, you know, spoilers... That scene that you see at the very end is very distinctive and memorable. Mm -hmm. And I remember <laughs> mocking the seven days as we were younger. Yeah, there's a few scenes. I think maybe three or four scenes in this movie that are definitely part of pop culture now. And we'll talk about them as we get there. But uh, so uh, did this movie have an impact on you or do you remember it being discussed with your friends or what was your reaction at the time? Um, so I remember it just like Justin was saying that it became very uh, popular movie. And um, to me, it wasn't like very impactful, but we discussed it a lot. And I think the predecessors, actually, one of the predecessors for this one, I, The Grudge, was actually a bit more frightening for me. <laughs> yeah, The Grudge came out, I think, um, a year later. I can't remember. And well, that's that's a whole other tangent. But uh, mm -hmm. so 
how had you seen it since you first watched it as a teenager? No, I have not. So did your opinion on it change at all? Any different perspectives? Uh, so, yes. Um, I think I appreciate the movie now more from for really the visual effects that it has um for it being a 2002 movie uh, creativity too i really enjoy how they use a lot of like the items that you would see in the video play out in like throughout the movie where you would recognize them and it still gave like really ominous feeling towards the movie and i actually felt like it ended up feeling like very fast paced but in a good like good pacing like good pacing in a movie like building up suspense and then mm-hmm. like the twist you know at the end right so that just leaves me i guess um i wouldn't say anything too differently uh like i said my this is a movie that it's a very important horror film whether you like it or you don't like it it had a huge impact on the genre it was a movie that was kind of legendary for me as a kid you know the kind of thing that people talk about you over here and I didn't actually see it until a few years later and at that point you know I think I was aware of what all the stuff that happens in it I think it's a good movie um it's actually one of the rare situations where I think the American remake is better than the the foreign original you know (laughs) normally I'm opposed to that sort of thing but um I saw uh, Ringu in film school. Um, yeah, that was, Did you? I guess, ten years ago. Yeah, I can't remember in what context. Um, <laughs> ten years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the club, man. Yeah. So, and at the time, I remember thinking that this one was um, the American version was actually better. Uh, I don't remember too much about the the Japanese version other than I just felt like this one was better, which is a rare thing for me. So it's a good movie. Uh, It's creepy, creepy ideas. There's a good mystery. Um, I I think I agree with Justin. It slows down a little bit in the middle. There's some pacing issues, not major. Um, At the end, uh, it, it feels like it doesn't quite know when to end. There's like two big climaxes in the movie. But anyways, uh, let's let's get into it, I guess. <laughs> um, let's do it. So the movie opens with two friends in a house while their parents aren't home. Uh, we find out later this is Katie and Becca. The, that's another small issue with this film. There's a few characters where they come in and you're not sure who they are until later, but we'll get yeah. to that. Uh, and basically this scene just explains the concept of the movie to you, right? Um, they're talking mm-hmm. about it. For anybody out there who doesn't know, there's a tape. The tape features bizarre, weird, nightmarish imagery. After you finish watching it, you get a phone call telling you that you will die in seven days. So let's also go ahead and take a moment to explain. <laughs> this movie came out at a weird time uh the tape is vhs i know some of you listening may be too young to even really remember vhs oh but, uh, man yeah. that's probably true yeah uh but we're not and nope. i grew up with vhs so this movie came out like literally the year after this movie came out vhs started to pretty much go away but um <laughs> <laughs> 
So a little the bit of end of an era. <laughs> yeah. Physical media history here. Uh, DVD first became available in because I I looked this up. Uh, became available in America in 1997. But like I just mm. said, it didn't actually overtake VHS um, until 2003. So this movie couldn't have really come out a few years later. At least it would have had to have been changed. Yeah, it would have been de- the, the demons from the DVDs. Yeah. <laughs> somehow that seems less frightening than a VHS. Hey, uh, Jared, I have a question about this. Uh, I wonder, are there other examples? So it, it tricked me watching through it this time. You know, I've been studying technology and things that like this is kind of horror encoded into one medium that then spills over to another medium, the telephone, and then in kind of as a manifestation in like the real world. Are there other examples that you know of from horror where like uh, uh, some kind of demon is captured in a technology in that way? Um, There's maybe some of the things from Cabin in the Woods where like reading something brings horrors to life but are there other examples you can think of of like some type of evil being stored in a new technology in that way oh man i would have to think about that to come up with some responses maybe i can post it on the the facebook page later um yes i mean it's been done before you know technology as a, a vessel for evil i guess you could say has been done before telephones in particular have always been uh, have been used a lot, you know, when a stranger calls, um, things like that. I guess it's, I don't know if it's just us being suspicious of technology or phones in particular. There's something kind of creepy about phones, really. I mean, not now when They're you can invasive. see who you're talking yeah. to and everything. Yeah. But uh, at the, in years past, you know, the phone rings, you don't know who's calling, you pick it up, it could be anybody on the other line, right? Uh, again, shortly after yeah. this, we had caller ID. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I'll have to uh, think about it. I mean, of course, like you said, uh, there was Evil Dead, where you read from the book. So yeah, yeah. Well, if there's anything, let, let me know. I was just there's one that I was thinking about, kind of the role of technology in particular plays and like mm-hmm. maintaining and protecting horror. Um, so, but all right, well, thanks for thanks for that little sidestep with me. Yeah. Uh, not so much evil, but technology. We, we've talked about this before. Technology plays a big role in David Cronenberg's films. Um, yeah, we need to watch some Cronenberg films. There's yeah, one, one called Scanning or Scanner that I saw pop up that I was like, ooh, that sounds really interesting. And I haven't Scanners, watched it yet. So that might show up film. on our list in the near future, team. <laughs> yeah, video. Definitely David Cronenberg. But um, so getting back to this scene, um, there's two fake outs here which is kind of you know you expect one fake out but two in a row is kind of annoying yeah. uh the first one the girl she just explains that she's seen the tape and then she pretends like she's dying um it had been so long this movie was pretty fresh to me um watching it again i knew some of the major things that were going to happen but along the way i didn't know what was going to happen step by step so uh i wasn't sure if she was really dying or what but anyways, no, she's just she's just faking it. But the next one is we get a phone call, uh, but it turns out it's just their mom. <laughs> one of their moms, anyways. Yeah, false flag, false flag. Yeah. 
but then uh, the really scary stuff starts happening. Um, and let me say at this point, even though we've had two fake outs, they've built up the, the tension in this scene really well. So while she's on the phone, her friend seems to just vanish, basically. Then the TV mm-hmm. turns itself on and turns itself back on again after she turns it off. She, she goes to look for her friend and finds water in the hallway. And when she goes in, that TV is on. We see something is wrong with her face. There's a lot of quick, quick stuff in this movie where you can't really tell what's going on. And that's the scene in it. Okay, so let me go back to Mia. Mia, what do you think about this opening scene? Did you think it was effective? Because I thought it was a great way to start the movie. So I, I agree with you. It's effective because I also did not remember a large portion of this movie. Like, I remember, like, you know, some of the more, um, more uh, memorable scenes that play out in pop culture but i really had forgotten most of it and so it was really it was like a a really great opening scene because it was done effectively and i really enjoyed it um it was i think it was done really well yeah i think part of it is there's a couple things happening here one there's no music um it's very slow so you get drawn in uh, they the no just, music park is a nice insight that I had not caught myself, but mm-hmm. that really adds to like the tension building or the suspense of the moment. I, I hadn't put that together. That's a, that's a nice insight. Yeah, that's part of it. Sometimes less is more, which is something I think we've forgotten. Uh, Hollywood yeah. has forgotten anyways, but uh, and there's also a lot, especially if you're familiar with horror films, there's a lot of moments in this scene where you expect something to happen and it never does like whenever they open a door a refrigerator door you keep expecting there to be something to jump out at them and it keeps not happening and i think that's the first part where you are waiting for something bad to happen and it doesn't and of course at the end it finally does so uh i like kind of kind of gaming you the whole time it's kind of gaming the expectations throwing you off from the very beginning so i like um I like how it sets things up. It's a little bit, I mean, they just flat out tell you, hey, here's what the movie's about, everybody. <laughs> but it's, it's done well. So something happens at the end. We don't know what's happened to these people, although it must be bad because there's, there's a lot in this movie where you only get like a frame of something on the screen. Uh, so you pick it up subconsciously, even though you don't really know what you've seen. But now we introduce um, the real main characters of the story that we'll be following for the rest of the film. We have a boy. His name is Aiden. Uh, He's being picked up late from school by his mother, Rachel. Aiden and Rachel are a small boy. Rachel's the mother. So there are two two of our main characters. Um, The teacher talks to Rachel. We learn that Aiden's cousin, Katie, had recently died. You can put together later that was the girl from the opening of the film and Aiden has been drawing basically morbid pictures. So here's our first twist of the film. Aiden was actually drawing pictures before she died. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So that night, uh, Rachel goes to talk to Aiden and he says that 
his cousin Katie knew that she was going to die. Okay, there are two, I think, two moments in this movie that take me out of the movie. Um, and this is one because <laughs> she just leaves after that. She just walks out of the room. Uh, if you're a little kid who's been having troubles, you know, after their yeah. friend died, uh, then he tells you that she knew she was going to die. You should ask more questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for dramatic effect, it's great that he just kind of goes, okay, good night, and then she leaves, you know, acting all confused. But in reality, you go, hey, what the hell are you talking about, kid? She knew she was going to die. Did somebody hurt her? Is there something you know? You know. So, he's a, he's uh, a weird little dude, too. He keeps calling his mom by her first name, too, which is kind of weird. Um, yeah, that's never explained. Yeah, they have this weird kind of serious relationship thing that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. <clears throat> you know, when you watch it, um, at first you might think that that's not his mother. Like maybe she's his stepmother for a while. I was thinking, mm -hmm. oh, is it his older sister maybe? Because, but I don't know. That kid's weird. And I think he does well in this movie. Um, oh, he's yeah. a good actor for a kid that age. But there is the problem that happens a lot with kids in movies where he doesn't seem like a real kid, you know? Yeah. He talks like an adult. And of course, we find out that he is different in some ways, right? But still, he doesn't seem like a kid. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. next we go to the, a funeral, a funeral visitation, right? A viewing. Uh, we learned that Katie officially, her death was officially called heart failure. You know, her heart just stopped, but her mother doesn't believe that. And she wants uh, well, Rachel her. to do some investigating, right? So also, her friend who was with her that night has been put in a mental institution. Becca, yep. Yeah, Becca. So whatever she saw um, drove her crazy, basically. And also, we find out in this scene that Katie's boyfriend died, supposedly by suicide, the exact same night she died. So the plot's building. Um, 10 p.m. seems to be a bad time. The scene ends with Rachel in Katie's room and she finds a scrapbook with every person's face marked out, which is something I remember from this mm -hmm. uh, movie as well. Everybody's faces are blurry in the pictures and all the faces are marked out in her scrapbook for some reason. Uh, she also finds a slip for a photo processing company. So she takes that. But first we get... Uh, the first real, I guess, jump scare of the movie and a very famous scare that will stick with you. I know Family Guy has parodied this one. It's been seen before. And I'll let Mia take this one. Mia, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, when they find Katie's body in the closet and she's like, it looks like she's like in the fetal position, uh, sort of, uh, and her like mouth is just like her jaws like extended. She looks almost decayed. Yeah, also. kind of rotten. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So, and it comes out of nowhere because you're just at the funeral with Rachel talking to Katie's mom, and then K Katie's mom mentions, "Oh, I saw her," and then it flashes really quick to Katie dead in the closet. Uh, it's very jarring. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, her mouth. She's kind of like curled up in the closet. Her mouth is hanging open in this unnatural position and she looks 
decayed basically. So this right here, I mean, this could be another thing that takes you out a little bit. Um, how could they look at that and go, oh, heart failure. She was rotting. <laughs> 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 yeah it's a good point <laughs> but yeah. sometimes uh, you just have sure, to let things go yeah it makes you understand why the mom was suspicious <laughs> it doesn't look yeah. like hard salvage to me <laughs> now well when they were in the funeral uh, so the background chatter uh, if you if you heard it I they were saying why is there a closed casket if it was heart failure because they were insinuating yeah. that she was doing like drugs or doing some other kind of things that she wasn't supposed to because they didn't do an open casket. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Good catch. Definitely. So there you go. That's maybe this is an image that'll stick with you. It's freaky. Um, so Rachel takes that little slip she found and she goes and develops <laughs> Katie's <laughs> photographs. So they all seem, all the photographs seem normal, except for one, as we said, it's all the faces are blurred out. It's weird looking. So now Rachel starts investigating. Uh, it's another a, way in which technology is integrated, just as a side note, uh, the printing of the actual photos is like another way in which it's incorporated the technology. Yeah, no one really, I, I like, and they have those old disposable cameras, you know? Yeah, yeah, from the pre-ancient times. <laughs> no one really, people don't really take photos and have them develop that much anymore. There's not much of a need. But yeah, you used to take pictures, <laughs> you take it in, and you'd wait a day or two or however long, and then you would get the pictures back. <laughs> <laughs> So that's what's going on here, if anyone's confused. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So she gets the pictures. And also we should mention, uh, she Rachel is like a, a journalist for a newspaper. Um, that's the also- Seattle, Seattle something times. Yeah. Oh, okay. So she, and that's part of why she's, this is a good fit for her. She is a journalist, she's an investigator. So the pictures are, um, all normal except for the one we said where the face is all blurred and twisted. So this sets her off into her investigation mode. So if you're not paying attention, there's a lot of stuff in this movie where you only briefly see it. You have to watch the screen. You'll see some words so you can miss stuff. But if you missed it, we learned that two of Katie's friends died, also died again at the same exact time as her somewhere else. They were in a car crash um she dreaded 10 p.m yeah she goes to a mountain cabin where katie had stayed with her friends you know she's kind of following the trail at this point and she finds the tape they watched now this is where in many horror movies they're notorious for having people do stupid things uh here's your stupid moment for this movie she watches the tape you know yeah. after all this talk about if you watch the tape you die she sits down and watches the tape, but that's not important. Mm -hmm. What's important is the tape itself. So, yeah. Justin, I'm going to give you the uh, – I'll let you try <laughs> to describe yeah. the tape. Yeah, thanks for that, and I'm really going to do a bad job of it. Um, but, yeah, so there's some imagery of a burning tree. There's some imagery of a ladder. There's some imagery of a chair. There's imagery of a woman um and a few other things end of a ring um 
Right, it's a circle of light and a black background. And it jumps around. Its pacing is really kind of has a surreal vibe to it. They um, two different uh, kind of moments. The people with uh, the characters, the individuals within the the um, the film within the film look make eye contact kind of with you. They kind of break the barrier in that way and look at you directly. Um, and yeah, and then like it goes long enough to where some of the objects you've seen once before are now and even more surreal. The surrealism is building. So like the chair is upside down and floating around in circles. Um, and uh, it's when the characters start kind of looking at you directly. And uh, yeah, there's a scene, uh, they're like using the mirror uh, and uh, the woman's brushing her hair, which is one of the kind of moments that stuck with me from it when I first watched it. Um, and it's all in all really really creepy um is what i it was still creepy i thought i didn't think that part changed um so yeah that's 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 my swing at it man what do you got to add what did i miss that should be added yeah i mean it's hard to it is hard to describe because like you said it is uh surrealism i mean you could describe it as kind of like a nightmare uh basically i think of it as maybe like a student film or an art house film you know, it doesn't make much sense. It's very disjointed. It's just a lot of strange imagery. It takes things that are normal, like a chair or a ladder, and makes them surreal. But then it also mixes in actual frightening images, like uh, uh, like there'll be there's a centipede. There's someone's mouth opens and this thing comes out of the mouth. Uh, yeah, the centipede uh, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's mm -hmm. there's just. Uh, oh, there's a brief picture of someone having their net, their finger impaled on the nail. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just it's just really surreal. That's that's all you can really describe it as a just a nightmare surrealist short art film. You know, uh, Mia, what do you think about the uh, <laughs> the actual ring take? Anything else to add about that? I think you're muted. Thanks. Yeah, so, yeah, no <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I was on mute. Uh, so one of the things I think it's just like you both said, very surreal, very artsy. Um, I had forgotten some of the imagery and it was really like intense. Um, it was like, I think the, the part that I remember is like the ocean and the water and just like, it, it was very, I thought it was very creative, but also very like strange. And, but I like the scene when she just like, you know, you see the lady throughout the whole scenes and then at, towards the end, she just jumps off the cliff. And so it's, it's just <laughs> very, just a craziness to me, but it, it was, I like the tape. It was, <laughs> it was a fun, interesting day. Yeah, two things here. One, we should emphasize there's the woman. There's a woman throughout the tape who is, we see in the mirror at the end, she jumps off a cliff. Um, and also just a fun bit of trivia. I don't have access to my DVD collection right now. Um, so I couldn't verify this, but I read apparently on the DVD, there's, you can find the actual full tape hidden on the DVD. 
but if you click play to watch it, you can't stop it. Like you can't rewind, fast forward, go back. It just plays the whole thing. And then once it's over, it, there's sound effects of a phone ringing. <laughs> so nice. To- uh, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's great. I remember when DVD was new technology, there was a lot of fun to be had with it. Uh, sometimes it was excessive with people trying to do too much on the menu screens. You're like, okay, just let me get to the movie. But there were a lot of fun things like that where uh, stuff would be hidden. You could search for people played with the technology at the time. So, but anyways, that's the film, the, the tape. It's very, it's very weird. Um, but anyways, after she finishes yeah. the tape, we know what happens. She gets the phone call and it's just a voice, a girl's voice whispering seven days. Okay. As has been foretold. So this is a good setup. I think it's a good way, a good thing to put into the film because it adds a ticking clock to the movie. Uh, it adds urgency to her investigation because now she thinks she's going to die in seven days, but we still don't know exactly what happens to you in seven days. We don't know how you die, what causes it. So you don't want to know. Um, and the whole movie from this point becomes a race against the clock with her trying to figure out what's going on and maybe stop it before it gets to that point. All right. So very pretty quickly, the next part of the film, it goes through day by day. We start off with day one. It kind of reminds me of The Shining, the way it does that. It tells you day one. Uh, Rachel talks to Noah, who is Aiden's father. Now, this is what I was mentioning earlier. Uh, we don't actually find out that Noah is um, Aiden's father until like halfway through the movie. Um, it's kind of, you can kind of work out that it's her ex because of the way they behave around each other. But anyways, um, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. I hadn't, didn't really catch that, but, um, yeah, it is a while before you find out kind of how the characters actually interact because they just keep using first names. Um, and so it does take a little bit to piece it together. Yeah. So, but basically, we'll go ahead and explain it now. It's Aiden's father. It seems like they weren't, it's not clear, but maybe they weren't ever married. Like uh, maybe it was just an unplanned pregnancy. But anyways, um, so Noah is skeptical yeah. about all this. Uh, even after Rachel shows him, like, look at all these pictures of me where my face is, my face is blurred out. He watches the tape, but he's still unfazed, basically. But because she's so serious about it, he agrees to help her look into the origins of the film uh, and ask her for a copy. So that's day one. Day two. Uh, they are studying the tape, and we learn two things, right? First, Noah says the tape. This is kind of confusing, um, unless you know technology. But Noah says the tape is missing some sort of ID number. Uh, did you guys catch that? It's like an ID number that tells you how the how the film was recorded yeah is that true do you know i don't know no i don't know enough about uh that technology to know i mean uh, but basically there's there's a code in apparently uh inside of the the actual film strip itself that tells you about how it was recorded and he says the important part is that that is missing it's missing which suggests that the tape was made through some sort of supernatural means 
<laughs> like yeah. it just appeared it created itself um which is spooky but second <laughs> while they're messing with the, tr- the tracking tracking everyone just look that up yourselves i'm not explaining tracking um (laughs) (laughs) while messing with the tracking they see that there is more footage like off the side of the screen that you can't see normally so but before they can really figure that out they're interrupted by noah's assistant slash girlfriend whatever she is um and rachel leaves because she doesn't want someone else to watch the tape right um <laughs> and this is this is funny to describe if you're not watching the movie um but on her walk home she passes by a ladder that looks like the ladder from the tape it's spooky yeah yeah because it's, it's just kind of laid up against kind of a random wall without a clear like uh window it's just up against a a, a blank wall basically when you first see it mm-hmm. yeah there's this is the hard part of dealing with surrealism because you just have to see it (laughs) but this is a big part of the creepiness of the movie is throughout the film you're constantly seeing things that remind you of what you have seen in the tape right yeah um of course the ring being the main example but all the things as the film goes (laughs) on you see um and can we talk about the I think the ring is actually a pretty clever title because it can mean mm-hmm. three things. It can mean, okay, so when you hear the ring, what do you think? What's the first thing you think when you hear the ring? What is what is the ring? So when I when I think about it, I think about the ring of the uh, the ring of light of the movie within the, the ring movie. I mean, I that's what I think of. I think of a ring of light. Um, in the movie, that was what my default was. How about you? Uh, just in general, or for the movie? For the movie, it would be the Ring of Light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think people either think that, or they think ring, as in the phone ringing. You get the phone call, oh, right? Yeah, my mind never went there. Yeah. yeah. So it has. I'm with you. I always thought ring as in there's a an actual circle that keeps popping up throughout the movie uh that's what i would think but other people would think the phone ringing and but apparently the um the author of the novel said the ring is supposed to represent the cycles you know the whole movie is about cycles uh like well we'll get to that a little later but so i I like the, the title it's very simple but it actually does have a few layers of meaning but we're already to day three. Things are going pretty fast here. On day three, Rachel goes to visit Katie's friend, Becca, who is in the mental institution. Um, and I like that as they're moving Becca through the mental institution, they have to have a barrier so she can't see the TV. <laughs> yeah, the TVs, yeah. yeah um, but at first, okay. Becca is unresponsive. Uh, but when Rachel brings up the tape, Be- Becca tells her, you're going to understand in four days. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. That's all she says. Your time is coming. Yeah. So dun, 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 dun. later in the day, she is able to find that hidden footage adjust- by adjusting the tracking on the tape. And it is um, a lighthouse. It's a lighthouse. So 
Mia, I'm going to turn it back over to you because as she's messing with the tape, she sees we get our first first real surreal moment where it seems like things something supernatural happens. Do you remember what happens with the the tape after she sees the lighthouse? Yeah, so she she's got, she's trying to take a picture and she tosses it and she realizes that the wings on the fly there's like a fly <laughs> flying around the screen are moving as the, the movie is being paused. So her first inclination is to touch it and she ends up actually pulling its wings and pulling the fly off the screen. Yes. And then her nose, yeah, and then yeah. her nose kind of bleeds. Yeah, and then her nose starts bleeding. <laughs> yeah. Right. So as she realizes, even though the footage is paused, the fly, uh, which looks like it's a fly on the camera that should have been recording, is still moving. And she reaches out to touch it and pulls it out of the screen. <laughs> so that's a weird moment that I, I remember it stuck with me. I knew what was going to happen when it got to that. Um, it's kind of a nightmare on Elm Street thing where you can pull stuff into your reality from the scary reality. Uh, and yeah, and also there's a thing with people's noses bleeding in this movie that's never <laughs> explained, but... That's I right, it never is explained, yeah. Yeah, I guess if you're getting ready to, to die, eventually your nose has to bleed, I don't know. Um, but it's, it is creepy, you know, to see people's nose just start bleeding randomly. It happens to all of them. Um, yeah. That's day three. So now day four. Rachel, okay, a lot happens here. This is, I don't know, maybe it's a little too convenient. I'll, I'll get you, uh, your opinion on this, both of you. Do you feel like sometimes things unravel too quickly in this movie? I felt like there's a lot of times where the answers come a little bit too quickly. There's a question and then immediately you get the answer. Is that just me? Because this, this is the scene where she starts unraveling everything. Well, like, give me give me the example that you're like okay. referring to. Uh, yeah. So in this part of the movie, so the first thing she does, there's a lighthouse on the tape. So she goes to the library and starts reading every book about lighthouses. Uh, and she finds the exact lighthouse in a book. That light, mm, so now yeah. she has the name of the lighthouse and that lets her go google pre-google uh do an internet search for the island and that finds the woman she sees a picture of the woman from the tape and yeah it all happens very quickly yeah it was it was also pretty convenient that she found the um exact picture of the lighthouse that matched with the nightmare okay. <laughs> quite convenient yeah okay so we got the lighthouse which leads us to the woman the woman's name is anna morgan uh we search for anna morgan that gives us we find out who anna was anna was a horse breeder and this is creepy anna was a horse breeder whose horses began to drown themselves without any mm -hmm. explanation <laughs> so she lives on this island and her horses just start breaking out going to the ocean and drowning themselves and eventually anna commit suicide um yeah so all that happens very quickly if you're not paying attention you'll you'll miss how we how she discovers all that but um so now yeah. we've we have a direction to go into day four right we know who some people are from from the tape 
So on day five, things start to get more surreal. Um, Rachel is on the phone with Katie's mother talking to her and she drinks some water and she starts having a coughing fit. Now there's a lot that happens here, Justin, and I'm going to pitch this over you. See if you can tell us, do you remember what happens after she starts having the coughing fit? Yeah. Well, the thing that I remember from this in particular is that the phone itself starts to leak water um, Mm -hmm. in a way that was like, kind of creepy um so yeah that was the piece of it that really stuck with me was kind of the water leaking from the phone um and she seems to be kind of getting a little bit more frantic and and a little bit more panic but i think there was at least there was a couple of other things that happened was this the part where um the blood and the water you kind of see the redness in the water is that the other thing that happens here do you remember oh oh man yeah i'm giving me all sorts of signals over there and the hair comes out of her throat oh yeah i tried to block that out oh mm-hmm. gosh so yeah there is like a strand of uh, her hair and uh oh she's having to pull it out of her throat mm-hmm yeah, but let's be clear here. It's not just a strand of hair. It's almost, it's like a clot of hair, more like a rope of hair. Uh, yeah. And it's like three feet long. <laughs> and then there's another part where, yeah, she just falls down and starts pulling this long, thick black strand of hair out of her mouth, which mirrors, if you remember, there's a brief moment in the in the actual tape she watches where something black comes out of someone's mouth. So it mirrors that. Uh, And also after she finishes pulling it out, something else comes out behind it. And at first I didn't realize what it was, but it's, um, you can put it together later. It's one of those, like, uh, I guess they use for electroshock therapy. It's a little Mm -hmm. pad. Uh... Yeah, what they, when they put on, when they're checking your heart or so. Uh, Okay. I didn't know what that was. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't either at the time, but uh, that's what it is. (laughs) And then, uh, in case that's not weird enough, (laughs) I want to say this is gross. Anyone who's had long hair or lived with someone who has long hair uh, will understand what I'm talking about. When she's pulling the the hair, all the hair out of her mouth, it reminds me of pulling hair out of a shower drain. Mm -hmm. So it's extra gross like that. But anyways, in case that's not weird enough, um, she runs to check on Aiden. But instead of Aiden, there's a girl with long black hair um, sitting on a chair in a puddle of water. Of course, we don't see her face. It's a thing where you don't see their face. So there's tension where you're wondering what's on the face. Um, She goes up to the girl and the girl grabs her arm. But then Rachel wakes up. So implying that basically everything we've seen was a dream or a hallucination or something. Except doesn't she have the bruises? Mm-hmm. Yes. She looks at her arm after waiting, waking up and uh, she has a very clear handprint. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So after getting out of bed, oh no, she finds Aiden. 
You guys remember what Aiden's doing? <laughs> watching the movie. He uh, is watching the tape. Yes. Great parenting skills. <laughs> Just need to write down the VCR for him to access. Rachel. Well, it's it's self rewind. <laughs> <laughs> waiting for him. Waiting for the next victim. Well, I kind of interpreted it as he found the tape. Like something drew it to him. He got it and watched it. Um, but Makes either way, he, he has seen the movie now. Um, so that adds more to the tension because now it's not just her. It's her child she's got to worry about. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, now, now finally, after day five, the movie finally lets us know that Noah is Aiden's father. And just like a throwaway, throwaway line. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but now we're to day six and about half the movie takes place on day six and seven. Um, day six, it's going back and forth between Rachel, who takes a ferry to the island, because we know where the island is now, and Noah, who is going to the psychiatric center where Anna had stayed. So they're on two separate missions, and it kind of cuts back and forth between what they're doing. Um, but Mia, it's almost your turn here. <laughs> I'll let you take I think the second, second or third most famous scene from this movie, uh, when they're on the ferry, there's a thing with a mm. horse. Can you tell us the what all happens with oh the horse? Gosh. Sure. So our character, she is Rachel. She is on the ferry heading to the island. And she is walking down the ferry and sees that there's a horse in one of the um, in one of the like the carrying uh, horse um what stall a horse trailer yeah or horse sure trailer them. there you go mm. horse trailer and so she's like i guess drawn to the horse and she's like hey pet, i'm petting you you know she's petting him and he seems to not really like it but she continues and i guess in an effort to calm him down and he starts to freak the fuck out and <laughs> breaks out of the horse trailer and is just just running around the ferry and then eventually um turns around um as they're trying to corral it kind of like leads down this hallway where she's at the very end and in an effort to dodge the horse she gets down and the horse um you know jumps off the ferry and it, it, I, I hate that it gets its head i mean the legs hit the boat mm-hmm. on the way down and then it falls into the water that's not enough you know hitting it <laughs> <on the boat. laughs> falls into the water and it kind of like starts being brought in under the the tide of the of the bow and then the propellers it comes to it and uh, it's that end by the propellers and you don't see any horse chunks but you do see horse blood and everybody yeah like, oh my God. So that's another thing that's a part of the tape is there's something with horses so uh, here we see um, a horse basically commit suicide right? as was mentioned earlier. So the horse is, this is like, this is a scene that definitely stuck with me. Um, Never really seen anything like this in a movie before. Um, And I'm not sure how they did this scene because it is very, very convincing. I mean, I'm assuming there's some CGI going on there, but for the time period, it's really well done. You you believe um, that's a horse jumping off a boat. And yeah. also the scene where all the blood comes out from underneath the boat. That's a, a brief moment in the tape as well. So, yeah, it's, it's really bizarre. And this is a, a, 
a fairly common trope that animals are somehow more sensitive to things than we are and they know when evil is yeah. around or something bad's going to happen so um yeah that's that's the horse scene <laughs> if you've seen the movie you'll remember the horse scene i'm sure yeah uh so Meanwhile, at the mental institution, Noah has, of course, he's not allowed to find Anna's medica, look at Anna's medical files. So he sneaks into the file room to find them himself. Uh, and can I say here, let's, let's go ahead and mention that a few, several episodes back, we talked about scary stories to tell in the dark, the movie. They That's took a lot of time movie. was. Yeah, I was wondering where I had seen this kind of breaking in to get the records thing. And it's from scary stories in the dark with that massive large fat monster thing yeah yeah there's a lot they took from this movie for that film like even the idea of like a a young ghost girl who was in a psychiatric hospital and there's like recordings Mm. of her in the hospital yeah yeah that's right that's right yeah good point yeah I, I I know we've already covered that movie, but I don't think all that was necessary. The whole extra plot they added in, you could have taken more stuff from the original books. But but anyways, um, yeah, thank you for the ring. It gave us a lot for that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the movie was great. Uh, so Noah, basically all Noah figures out here is that Anna had many, many miscarriages. So apparently she had tried several times to have a baby. Each time she would have a miscarriage um but anyways back at the island rachel actually finds anna's former home and her husband her ex-husband um i guess he would be a widower yeah and she's pretending to be interested in the story of the horses drowning and he's kind of like ah this happens every now and then people come by and they want to talk to me about that old thing uh, but when she finally reveals why she's really there and shows him the tape, he starts to get agitated. Um, and when she finally says, well, hey, can I speak to your daughter? Maybe she could tell me some things. He basically just leads her out of the house. <laughs> he says, I don't have a daughter. Goodbye. <laughs> um, <laughs> but while mm-hmm. she's leaving, she realizes the house um, this house matches one that Aiden had drawn for her. So she calls Aiden, who Aiden, by the way, now is compulsively drawing black rings everywhere on like a hundred pieces of paper. So Aiden's doing, Aiden's doing fine. It was okay. To see him by himself. <laughs> <He's doing good. laughs> but um, he says he drew it because the girl told him to. Okay. And Aiden has been having visions basically from Anna's daughter. Um, he says that she didn't like being in the barn because the horses kept her aware, awake. And he also says that she lives in a dark place now. So basically what's been hinted at throughout this whole movie, I guess Aiden is, uh, he's kind of like Danny from The Shining. He's partially psychic. He's yeah. just more sensitive to the stuff, I guess. I remember that was one thing we didn't like about the uh, the Japanese version. There's a character who just conveniently announces he's psychic at a certain point um but danny uh danny uh uh, uh, aiden (laughs) it's more slowly built up that he he has some sort of knowledge that he shouldn't have right (laughs) 
Yeah. But uh, so now for more information, Rachel goes to visit an old doctor on the island. Um, she tells us more about the doctor basically tells us more about what happens. Do you guys remember anything the doctor tells us? Yeah. So she talks about how um, she was, um, they had really wanted a little girl and they went off the island and they suddenly came back with a little girl. They were very happy. And then suddenly the mom started to have like, like hallucinations and were like some kind of like weird uh, where she kind of started really started to go crazy mm. and that she was treating both the mother and daughter and then and then um, they were talking about how she then kind of made a comment about how she knew that they had sent the little girl to the mental health institution and that she was like okay not knowing whatever happened to her and that kind of struck Rachel was like why would you not care what happened to a little girl and she's like well things got better at the island than when yeah. she left that's right she compares her to a disease that infected everybody on the island like in a small Ooh. community if someone gets a cold everyone gets the cold so she compares her to to a cold um but yeah that's what really throws rachel off she's like yeah i sent them both to uh i recommended them to a mental institution i guess samara we find out her name is samara is still there She's like, you don't know. It's been 20 years. She's like, yeah, she, things are better now that she's gone. We just let it go. Uh, but <laughs> Okay. And then we jump back to the psychiatric hospital where this scene confused me a little bit. Noah's trying to find a tape. Um, somehow he's now being allowed to have access to the tapes. Um, but it's not clear how he... I think one of the files he found said there was a tape. So... He's looking for a tape recording of Samara's time in the psychiatric hospital. Uh, they go to find it, but it's missing. And they realize the last person to watch it was her father and his husband. So Rachel goes back at later that night. She goes back to try to talk to the husband again. And the door is kind of open, but it doesn't seem like anyone's home. So she just goes in. That happens a lot in movies where people just go into someone's houses. Don't do that, everyone. Maybe it's yeah. from. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, it never does. And maybe it's us being from the the southern part of the United States where everybody has guns. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't just walk yeah. into everyone's yeah. house. Um, but anyways, as she's walking around, she finds a TV with the tape of Samara's stay in the hospital, and she watches it. Uh, and the tape basically reveals that she had the power to make images appear either in people's minds or even physical images. She could just think something and then there would be like a, a photograph of it. Um, she also believes that her father, her adopted father, as we find out, wants to get rid of her. So, and she basically admits in the tape that she does want to hurt people. <laughs> she finally says, I do want to hurt people. Uh, but anyways, at that point, her father comes into the room, sees Rachel and like smacks her and he grabs the TV and takes it away. Okay, do you guys remember? <laughs> There's a very, where do they go after this? So he picks up the TV and where does he take it? Do you remember? To the bathroom, yeah. 
Yep. And what's going on in the bathroom? He's got a whole bunch of like wires and the tub is overflowing and he's just like, she's never going to leave me alone and you can't get rid of her and her and Rachel coming there is proof that you'll never like, because I think she still like whispers to him mm -hmm. or talks to him and he's like, it's never going to end. So he decides he's going to jump in the shower and not in the shower in the tub that's overflowing with water. And electrocute himself. Yeah. He flips the little on switch on his um what is the little yeah, the power bar. Yeah, power bar, yeah. Yeah. So you realize what's happening pretty quickly. Um he is going to kill himself in this very mm. elaborate electrical shock suicide. And Rachel is trying to, on one hand, he's trying, she's trying to get answers from him, and on the other hand, she's trying to tell him like Okay, don't do what you're about to do, but he does. He uh, he has taken steps to make sure this is going to work too. He has like this thing on his head, like a headset. Mm -hmm. He has the power bar strapped to his chest. There's multiple, a lot of electrical wires and equipment, yeah. and he turns it on and fries himself to death, basically. Because mm -hmm. as Mia said, he says, "Okay." basically he thought this whole thing was over but he realizes now that it's never going to be over and he's he says he mentions something about her whispering in his ear and <laughs> but then yeah. um so noah runs runs in right at this time which this is the second thing that really took me out of the movie um but great timing noah just shows up right after that, yeah <laughs> yeah um even though He's been, how did he get there so quickly? Because he's been, she's on an island and he's been at a mental hospital. So somehow, anyways, I'll let it slide. But I didn't like that. <laughs> um, Having him ridden the ferry, I could tell you that that would have been impossible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, not, it's not a quick exercise. Um, yeah. So basically they just needed like, this is the part of the movie where we need them to get back together. So he's there. Um, yeah. but, uh, they remember Aiden's line about her, about Samara not liking being in the barn. So they go and investigate the barn. And here's, here's another part where I feel like things are a little unraveling themselves a little bit too quickly. It's not that big of a deal, but, uh, um, so they go into the barn, there's the ladder, you know, and the ladder takes them up to a room with, it's like little girl's room and they realize like oh, okay so they put her here and basically kept her here when they didn't want to have her around anymore so she was stuck in this room um yeah. and they find a tear in the wallpaper they tear down the wallpaper behind the wallpaper is a tree that's like burnt into the wall and mm -hmm. rachel recognizes the tree as the one from uh the cabin where she stayed earlier so all, all that happens a little it's a little too convenient i think yeah yeah but anyway so day seven um they go to the cabin and time is almost up so she watched the tape at sunset and it's almost sunset so she's like hey i'm about to die so you need to take care of our son uh, and Noah goes into a rage. Uh, he knocks over a glass vase filled with marbles and the marbles form an arrow, <laughs> mm -hmm. which is, I don't know. 
I thought it was more funny than scary, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, but anyways, they point to an arrow on a rug. So they pull back the rug underneath the rug is a burnt ring on the floor. So now that the sun's setting, they tear open the floor, revealing that the cabin has been built on top of what, guys? Oh, well. well. Oh, well. Yes, the last thing from the tape that we haven't seen yet. So um, then things start getting kind of weird again because uh, back in the room, the TV turns itself on and water, again, there's a constant theme of water. Water starts pouring from the TV. Um, Nails start pulling themselves out of the floor. Oh, yeah, you know, some nails. I wasn't quite sure what was going on there. Yeah. Yeah. And then for no particular reason, uh, when they pull the covering off the well, just thousands of flies come flying out of the well. (laughs) Um, But Mia, I'll let you take over what happens here. Do you remember how she gets into the well? I do. So Mm. a whole bunch of flies come out of the well and they're trying to like, they're distracted by like the flies and then suddenly like I think the the way that the where the TV was or something I think is because of the nails somehow mm-hmm. caused the TV to come flying down towards her. And it yeah, the floor collapses her. and then the TV slides down and hits her. Yeah. Per- okay, perfect. And the TV hits her and she kind of like flops, pushes her back, and she flops into the well. And, and it looked like her. Down. It looked like her body hit the side a couple times yeah. uh, on the way down, um, but. Uh, she does, uh, she does survive her fall. Yeah. And we've established that this is a very deep well, but she survives. Anyways, sorry, Mia, keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she, yeah, she falls all the way down into the well. And you, then it's like, you see, um, uh, you see. Noah. Noah, Noah, there you go. You see Noah and he kind of like says, hey, can you hear me? And um, and then, because he can't really see her, and then she wakes up. She wakes up because she's been in the water, and mm-hmm. she gets up and calls out to him. Yep. Yeah, so she's down into the well, and she starts looking around. Do you remember what she finds uh, <laughs> on the side of the well, on the rocks? Oh my gosh, yes. So she's looking around, and she starts to see um scratches on the well yeah. and she actually also finds fingernails yeah really good yeah and then she finds the, the body mm-hmm. well oh. if you so basically we 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 can put together this point that samara was down in this well and tried to scratch her way claw her way out climb out and tore off her home mm-hmm. fingernails um but then as uh, while Noah's out looking for like a rope or something to help her get out, the heavy stone that covered the well starts resealing yeah. itself, you yeah. know? Uh, and yeah, that's great. So this to me, this is the other scene in the movie that always really stuck with me. Being down in that well, knowing that that's where Samara is or was, and she's in the water so she can't see what's around her. That's disturbing. Um, and she sees black hair like start floating up. There's the hair again, start floating up to the water. But um, then a hand comes out and grabs her arm. <laughs> so you're waiting the whole time for something to come out of the water. And finally it yeah. does. Her hand. 
Now, this gives her a vision where we find out what happened to Samara. Mia, do you remember what the vision she, she, she sees is? So, the vision is of Samara. She is standing by the well. And she's just kind of like watching the horses as they're roaming. And you just see Samara from the back. And then she, you see her mom approaching Samara from behind. And the mom says, all I've ever wanted was you. And then proceeds to put a bag over her head and suffocate her and throw her down the well. Yep. That is how that plays out. Yeah. So... First off, this movie, I think it was PG-13, which is, yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, gore, stuff like that, that's <laughs> fine. Maybe a little too scary for a PG-13 movie, but anyways, yeah. um, they had to cut a lot out, though, to get it down to a PG-13, and one thing they cut out was in the scene where she tries to kill her own daughter, um, she, originally, she picks up a rock and, like, hits Samara in the head with it. And when she falls into the well, you see blood coming out of her mouth. So it was a lot more intense. Um, mm. But uh, when Rachel comes to, she realizes that the mother failed. She didn't actually kill her. So Samara was in the well and she was still alive down there, which is even worse. Um, yeah. And then she starts searching for Samara, at which point Samara's body floats to the surface, but she looks like she could still be alive. And when she picks her up, then she decomposes in her arms, which, um, again, for the time period, the CGI is pretty good in this movie, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, but so we're getting close to the end here. We cut to later with Rachel out of the well with Noah, and they've called the police, and the police say they're going to bury Samara. Um, and Noah says he can't imagine someone being alone in a well like that he wonders how long could you survive and what does rachel say seven days seven oh. days it's all coming together yeah <laughs> so that's why you wait seven days after you hear the after you watch the tape because that's how long samara was alive mm -hmm. knowing she was going to die so you have to spend seven days knowing you're going to die okay mm -hmm. now this feels like uh, some people have complained that, I mean, we still have the most famous part of the movie coming up, but this really seems like it should be the end of the movie or very shortly after this. Don't you guys yeah, think? Were you surprised how much more there's left to the movie after that? Um, yeah. I mean, it felt, it felt like it wrapped up, right? Like you eventually like wrapped up some more story and that they, you know, figured out the big old mystery and she, they'll no longer die and they'll be spared because all she wanted to do was be found. Yeah, you think that's where it's going to end. And, and it would have been much less memorable had it ended there, uh, even though it was an appropriate ending. Yeah, I mean, this, this really feels, that's the film's climax. They've unraveled the mystery. Um, there's, they fall down to the well, they get out, blah, 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 blah. So it seems like, that should be the ending, but there's still, I don't know, 20 minutes left in the movie, something like that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so it seems like the experience has brought Rachel and Noah together. It seems like they're going to maybe become a couple. Um, and Rachel goes home to Aiden. And the next morning, though, 
he wakes up and asks her what happened and she's like uh it's it's okay we we very we took care of her we helped her and then aiden freaks out he's like what you helped her you weren't supposed (laughs) to do that Well, Aiden, maybe if you weren't so cryptic throughout the whole movie and just said, <laughs> yeah, 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 much more clear for all of us. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, now it's time for the most. Let me set it up, and then I'll turn it over to you, Justin. It's your pick. That, so you that, I'm ready. Part. Um, her. So now she's alarmed because she's like, "Oh, apparently we weren't supposed to help her." Um, and there's the creepy line where. Aiden says she never sleeps, which is something that gets repeated throughout the movie. So she worries about Noah. So she calls Noah. All right, Justin, you can take it from here. We've called Noah on the phone, and then we go to Noah's place. Yeah, phone's ringing. Um, And Noah, Noah's TV comes on, and he has this kind of like a modern studio apartment and he walks around the corner and turns it off and it's all static heat and then it comes back on and when it comes back on it is of uh of the well um and you see um presumably samara come out of the well and it's really herky-jerky and the, you don't ever see her you don't see her face then it's covered by her hair the same kind of long hair you've been seeing everywhere and um, yeah she kind of like jumps to the front of the screen and then she comes through the screen uh, into his apartment um, and uh, yeah kind of uh, chases him and then it uh, yeah, uh, the phone is still ringing, <laughs> and it cuts away. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. What else? What am I missing? Yeah, that's great. Um, so yeah, it does she, zoom into her face right at the end. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, at the end, it zooms into her face. You finally see her face, and then he screams. So we don't exactly know yeah. what's happened to him yet, but there's a lot to to say here. Uh, so. <laughs> This is the part that people really remember. First of all, her climbing out of the well and her walking yeah. towards the, the TV. So the way this was done, um, if I remember correctly, they shot this by having her walk backwards. And then what you're watching is that footage played backwards. So you're watching yeah. her walking backwards in reverse, which explains why she lo- moves in such an unnatural way. It's a cool little trick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and also... She crawls out of the TV, right? She doesn't just come yeah. out. She crawls out of it. And then she's like slowly coming after him. Uh, and he does that thing where, you know, okay, you should just run. Um, it it kind of makes sense, though, where if you're frozen in fear, you, you don't think too too well. Uh, but he's just like falling all over the apartment. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a great moment. And again, I watched it closely because i was worried it wouldn't hold up with the cgi but i I think it looks again pretty good for this time period um the cgi of all this with her or however they did it with her coming out of the tv works really well um i imagine it was a blend of 
computer effects and real effects. Like they probably actually had her come out of a fake TV and then put it all together. Um, But anyway, so Rachel, as this is going on, Rachel has been racing to get to the apartment. And and again, it happens a little too fast. I don't know. I guess he lives just right down the street, but uh, um, she runs into his room and Samara is gone. She doesn't see him, but she does see him sitting in a chair and we have that, that moment we've seen several times before like in psycho where you know there's going to be something bad in the chair and she turns it around and we don't see what she sees but it makes her scream and she runs out of the room um so she goes back home and burns the tape and she's wondering like why i was okay i didn't die after seven days why why was i fine and then he dies and she realizes mia why did why was she safe because she was safe because she made a copy of the tape and that's what Samara wants is to continue killing because she wants to kill yes so she had made it's not clear um I mean I think she believes that it's because she made a copy it's probably partially that or really that she just showed it to someone else um but at least she believes it's because she made a copy of the tape, thereby, you know, keeping it moving and allowing Samara to keep uh, telling her story, right? Um, So the movie ends with her having her son, because remember, he's only got a few days left. So she has him make a copy of it and tells him that now he's going to be safe. But he says, well, what's going to happen to the person Mm -hmm. I show it to? And that's the end of the movie. Uh, so a couple of things here to talk about before we wrap up. Um, I read that originally the, there was a subplot with Rachel was interviewing some sort of terrible criminal. I think he's a rapist or a serial killer or something. And so the movie ends with him, her having him watch the tape. So moving the curse from her son <laughs> to the, the killer. What do you guys think about that? Would that have been a better ending or is the way it ends kind of ambiguous better? No, I like the way that it ends where it's like ambiguous. Where it's like, well, in order to not be screwed, we're screwing someone else. Yeah. Yeah, I like that you like, it throws it back to you as a viewer to think about what would you do and who would you show it to rather than using the typical trope of the the bad person it forces you to be a little bit more thoughtful about it so yeah i agree yeah. so yeah in <clears> real <throat> life not all of us have you know a serial killer or someone we can just show the tape to right a, a convenient bad person although yeah, many yeah. of us could probably think of someone we would show it to <laughs> <laughs> so i mean if you're talking about your child uh, the list probably gets a little bit longer <laughs> yeah yeah i imagine if it's your own kid you'd probably He'd probably do that. But um, yeah, so that's the ending of the movie. There's one last thing I want to talk about. I mean, I think the movie, so this film is really uh, as much a mystery as it is a horror film. The whole film's kind of unraveling, like what happened to this girl? Um, and it, the one thing the movie does not explain is exactly what the hell was Samara. I mean, obviously she has some sort of psychic powers, but where did she come from? As you guys are watching the movie, I mean, all we know is that the family, the couple wants a kid, they can't have a kid, they go away, they come back with a kid. Um, what do you guys interpret as her her background? 
didn't really explain like where they got the kids and you know I know one of the scenes the dad who's like she wasn't supposed to have any kids and so like who who knows where what links they went to and where they went to get yeah. Samara. It's kind of like a monkey's ball kind of yeah kind of moment. I mean maybe they did maybe they made a bad deal you know. Yeah, yeah. I the first place my mind goes is that they kind of a deal with the devil type situation where they met someone or something and they wanted a baby so bad that they did something they shouldn't have done to have gotten to get the baby yeah. um or maybe yeah maybe they they kidnapped it who knows um i know in this there's a sequel where it explains a little more about the about the origins but we're not talking about that we're talking about this one so yeah, that's how I always, uh, I kind of like that it's not explained because then it does let your imagination go to like deals with the devil or horrible things a person would do to, to get a child, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's that's pretty much The Ring, a little bit of follow-up. Um, there was another sequel in 2005. Did either of you see the sequel? Nope. Mm-mm. Yeah, I did see it. I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters, um, which means I haven't seen it in almost 15 mm. years, probably. Uh, I remember it not being that great. Um, I would have to watch it again to say, but say again, but I remember it not being that great. Uh, there was another one in 2017 that came and went. I, I guess you guys didn't see that one either. I think it was just called Rings or something. Interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't think it's so either. Mm-mm. Yeah, I might would want to check that one out, but yeah, so I, I haven't seen that one. Uh, now, over in Japan, though, where this all comes from, there were several, several of these movies, um, including one that came out in 2016 where she fights the girl from The Grudge. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't they do like a whole like uh, the baseball teams have them? out or something like that as like in, in japan yeah there's the footage of they had a, a girl dressed up as one of them throwing the opening pitch for a baseball game yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't. yeah so as best i can tell this this whole thing is um it's a pretty big phenomenon in japan and it all comes from uh i should have written down the name it's in japanese but a uh, uh, japanese folklore basically of um this sort of like vengeful ghost girl who's pale white and has the black hair so that's where it all comes from um yeah this sadly as much as i love versus movies so as much as i would love to see um one of those seeing the movie where she fights the girl from the grudge apparently it's it's not that good all right well that's pretty much the ring uh <laughs> anybody else have anything else to Anything else you want to talk about or to add about this movie? No, I just I'm glad we watched it. It was fun to revisit with it, and uh, yeah, it was it's a creepy one. People should check it out if they haven't seen it, or rewatch it if they saw it uh, in their our age. So uh, go back and rewatch it. It's worth it. Yeah, I agree. I think the surreal it, surrealism for the movie is really great. Uh, it's a great throwback to watch again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say the same. If you if you haven't seen the movie, it's very important to the genre. It had a huge impact on the future. And I think in some ways we're still uh, in a post-ring horror world, maybe. Um, 
but it came along at a good time. I mean, you had the 90s were, sorry, everybody, but the 90s were kind of dead when it came to horror movies, I thought. And you had this movie and you had uh, the Blair Witch Project. Both of those had a huge impact on the next several years, along with like Saw, Saw and Hostel. But um, yeah, I think it's a good movie. I do think it holds up. Uh, you know, there's a few things you can pick apart, of course, but there always there always are a few things. That's that's the ring. So let's go on to our next film is Mia's pick. Mia, tell us what we're going to be talking about next episode. We will be watching Cloverfield. <laughs> Cloverfield. Speaking of Blair Witch, here's one that came out in the wake of that movie. A giant monster found footage film, Cloverfield. All right, everybody, listen. Uh, thank you for listening. A uh, few things before we go. Please, if you like the podcast, please like us on Facebook. It's Rabid Weasel Reviews. Um, leave us comments. Talk to us. Let us know. Let us know yeah. your opinions on the movies. Did we miss anything? Is there uh, where we were wrong about something? I'm sure people will tell us if they think we're wrong. <laughs> it's the internet. And uh, give us your request. Tell us. I, I have hundreds of movies that I can talk about. We could do this for the rest of our lives. But I would like to know um, what people would like to hear about. So... Give us a like, leave us a message, tell us your opinions. And with that, we'll see you next episode for Cloverfield. Everybody say goodbye. Goodbye. goodbye.